Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Welcome to episode 45 of SLP Talk Show. I'm Carrie, and I am here with my handsome husband, Jim. Oh, wow. Thank you. (laughs) I feel so special. Uh, Jim and I, we do this podcast together. Uh, I'm a pediatric speech language pathologist and professional speaker, and the reason we do this together is because we have an autistic son named Aaron. And Aaron. He's a pretty cool kid. He's awesome. And he teaches us a lot, doesn't he? Yes. Um, on a daily basis. On a daily basis, he does. So I have so many things I want to share with our listeners. Okay. Okay. First of all, it's October, and when we're recording this, and this is like birthday month, and right, so right. I don't know if we've ever like mentioned this on the podcast. We're gonna take our daughter Allison and her husband out to dinner tonight mm-hmm. because they both have yep. birthdays in October, and so our other daughter Whitney, she her birthday is in a couple weeks, well next week actually, and so what is so neat about our daughters is for ten days every year. They're the same age. They're the same age. They're yeah. Irish twins. So they're both yes. 25 right now, and Whitney will be 26 next week. But I just think that's so cool. It's always, it wasn't cool when we found out we were pregnant with uh, the second one. No, it was scary. It was very scary because <laughs> the girls are, you know, um, under a year apart in age. But anyway, so that's one thing I wanted to share. Um, the other thing I wanted to share is I wanted to let our listeners know about an upcoming learning opportunity. Oh. Okay. Uh, on Saturday, December 2nd, 2023, uh, we are holding our second annual early intervention conference here in Kansas City. Yeah. Yep. It's we did exciting. One, we did the first one last year. And it was. And it was great. It was we a had huge a success. Huge response. And we sold out. We sold out. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. fit any more people in the room. No. So. We had over 130 spots that sold out very quickly. So we decided, why don't we make this an annual event? Mm-hmm. So I partner with uh, Fontbonne University right. uh, here in Kansas City. and Awesome people. Yeah. Awesome people. So if you're interested in learning more, if you're an early intervention provider, a birth to three provider, uh, head on over to our website, which is carrieebertseminars.com. Mm-hmm. And you can check out the uh, yeah, should be right there on the front page yeah right at the top so anyways you can uh, check that out and uh, one thing we need to do is we need to play a game of chump or champ uh-huh. but we before we do that okay. I have to tell you something really cool that happened oh okay do I know this no I, I, I've it's been really hard but I've intentionally withheld oh, no. this from you so I could share it live on the podcast oh no what are is... you excited I'm I'm scared <laughs> okay so here's what we're going to talk about so last week, I was in Loudoun County, Virginia, presenting. Loudoun County. Loudoun County. And it's just, it's like five different cities. So they're just kind of known as Loudoun County. Okay. I think I was in like Sterling, Virginia. But anyways, um, I presented for an amazing therapy group called Little Hands Pediatric Therapy. Uh-huh. And you're never going to believe what they did. What'd they do? Okay. At three different times during the day. So I presented all day. And at three different times during the day, they played chump or champ with me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually asked me four questions related to speech therapy. Oh, okay. And they did oh. this like after each break and after lunch. So it was three different like uh, challenges. Wow. And so they played Chumper Champ and it was just the coolest thing because oh. 
I knew they listened to the podcast. Wow. Yeah. And I was so nervous because, you know, I'm terrible at trivia, but they were really kind and they made the questions really, really easy. So So they made me look good. You were a champ? I was a champ. Now, there was one question on one of the rounds where they did have to help me a little bit. So I was technically a chump, but they like, they were like, it's okay. Yeah. You're a champ, Carrie. Like they were, (laughs) they were really boosting me up. So it was just a, a really neat thing. Um, it was so much fun and I was just, I don't know, it was so special because they like tailored it. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought you would appreciate that. Wow. Um, uh, the other thing they did, so I spoke that day, um, I did my course, Autism and Neurodiversity Affirming Practices. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they had seen uh, me wear my Barbie shirt on social media and they said, oh, please wear that Barbie shirt because we have some surprises for you. Obviously, Chumper Champ was one. Uh-huh. But so I have this, it's from the Barbie movie. <clears throat> it's a takeoff from that and it says, my job is speech. Okay. And Jim, you haven't seen the Barbie movie yet. No, I can't I wait for you to see it. Okay. You know, we'll get it on I think it's coming out DVD soon. soon. Yeah, is yeah. Um, but Ken, you know, his, his famous line in the show is, or in the movie is, my job is beach because he just hangs it. We, nobody knows what Ken does for a living. He just, his job is beach. So anyways, um, I have this shirt that says, you know, my job is speech. So I wore that and they had the coolest thing. They had this giant life's like tall, like eight foot tall, maybe not eight foot, maybe six foot tall, uh, Barbie box. And, um, cause you can order it from like, I don't know, for like Halloween costumes or yeah. something, but it's okay. like a Barbie box. Like and they, from Amazon or Etsy yeah, or something? Yeah, well, okay. it was from like, or one of those party supply, like Party City. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so it's this cardboard box and it's the Barbie box and you stand inside of it for photo shoots. But they added <laughs> words to the top and it said neurodiversity affirming Barbie. It oh, was the greatest thing. So I got awesome. pictures taken inside this box. So that's who box. you are. You're neurodiversity affirming Barbie. That's me. I'm so excited. And so the funniest thing about the whole day was uh, people would, you know, whoever was going to take the picture would be like, get in the box, get in the box. So we were always telling people, get in the box. So without context, it kind of was crazy. But I just have to tell you, it was the absolute like neatest day That's and awesome. we had a, a full house uh, there were 80 people there the room was packed and it was just a fabulous day so i just wanted to share all that with our listeners wow it was that's, a pretty meaningful week that's that's cool it is cool isn't it so i guess we better move on so jim are you feeling lucky today well after that man i feel a lot of pressure <laughs> Because we have to play Chump or Champ, and here's how the game works, in case this is your first time listening. Mm -hmm. I ask Jim four questions. He gets them right. He is a... I'm a champ. And if he misses any, he is a... chump. He's a chump. All right. Um, I would not know the first question, so we'll see how how you do. So you're going to punch me right off the bat. Right off the bat. Okay. What is London's most famous shopping street called? Bleaker Street. I don't know. It was Oxford Street. I did not know that one. No? No. Okay. Well, I think you'll get the rest of them. What color is the S emblem that Superman has on his chest? Red. Yep. What sport do you compete in if you participate in America's Cup? Oh. Uh, that's sailing. Ooh, you're, I'm impressed. I would have got that wrong oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all four members of the Beatles are from what city? Liverpool. All right. Well, so, you're, a, I mean, you're, a, you're a chump, but you, you know, did good. I'm not you a shopper. Good. You're not a shopper. And I've never shopped in London. I've never been to London. I know. I know. Kind of like to go, though. Yeah, let's do that sometime. We have lots on our bucket list, don't we? (laughs) Every day we're like, hey, we should. Yeah. Hey, we should. The list keeps mounting. Yeah, but the problem is we have this business. We have these puppies. And we have children. And, you know. So, anyways. All right. We better get into our content for episode 45. And... What we are going to talk about today is parent coaching, okay? okay? But we're going to put a little spin on it 
because um, we're going to talk about parent coaching in the clinic setting. Parent coaching in the clinic setting. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, focus on something a little different. Okay. Um, when we work with the birth to three <clears throat> population, one of the key components of our home visits is parent coaching because mm-hmm. the real goal is for us to be able to transfer our skills and knowledge to the parents so that that young child can be supported when we walk out the front door. Okay. Right? So Makes we, sense. Yeah. So um, some of our kiddos, though, who are very young, they're actually receiving therapy services in a clinic setting, mm-hmm. right? So maybe they're getting speech therapy or occupational therapy and sure. or physical therapy outside of their natural environment. So why would very young children be receiving services in a clinic setting? There's lots of reasons. Maybe they didn't qualify for mm. early intervention. Okay. Right? Because you actually have to be, be deemed eligible um, to receive services through the state okay. birth to three program. meet yeah. the certain guidelines. Exactly. So maybe they didn't qualify, so their parents, you know, took them to a clinic setting. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the pediatrician referred to a clinic instead of to early intervention. Sometimes okay. that, you know, pediatricians maybe, maybe it's don't. the only option you yeah, have. Yeah, or maybe they just didn't know about the early mm-hmm. intervention program. Yeah. Um, um, another possible reason uh, that a very young child might be receiving services in a clinic setting is maybe the family is seeking additional services. Okay. You know, maybe they're getting yeah. EI in the home, and they're like, "Ooh, we really could benefit from sure. you know more speech more therapy." Contact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, what I wanted to do was share some strategies for coaching in the clinic setting. <clears throat> Excuse me, because one thing that is important for us all to recognize is that very young children don't wake up in the morning and make decisions that benefit their development. Okay, yes. Right? yes. A two-year-old doesn't wake up and go, ooh, I really need to focus on improving my language development today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we know that young kids don't wake up and make decisions that benefit their development, but who does? Right, right. Their parents, yeah. right? Their parents and parents. ultimately their caregivers, whoever those caregivers might be. So when we're supporting toddlers... And I would argue preschoolers too. I mm-hmm. find it really frustrating that at age three, kind of parent coaching stops. You know, in the birth to three world, kids go off to school to a classroom setting at three and everything is really uh, focused primarily on the child. And, you know, we don't really talk about parents much or, you know, do much parent coaching. So I really uh, would argue that if you're working with preschool age children too in a clinic setting, mm-hmm. that this information would apply. Okay. okay. Not just to like two year olds, but also, you know, three and four year olds as well. Okay. Yeah. So, so what we know is that very young children actually require us to kind of utilize a little bit different therapy approach, okay? Um, what we know is that very young children don't learn best during scheduled learning sessions, like, oh, 30-minute you know, uh, uh, lessons like when I learned like classroom, to play piano, like yeah. classrooms type. Well, or learning. even like when what you played the tuba. No, what'd you play the trumpet? Trumpet, trumpet close. Tuba. I could play the tuba too. I mean, I, anything brass. Anything brass. All right, but so the point is, yeah. you, like I played the violin, not well, mind you. Okay, not well, but I took violin lessons. You mm-hmm. took tuba no trumpet 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 lessons um if you know uh i don't know when our daughter uh was playing softball we paid for 30 minute pitching lessons because she was a pitcher right so the point is when kids get older and we know adults they can learn during 30 minute lessons right you can set aside schedule and apply that and yeah you can learn it you can practice it and then you can generalize that and apply that to your life but what we know is that toddlers and, and 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 young children they they don't necessarily learn best during 30 minute lessons right they learn in context they learn best in context they learn best during real life okay Okay. so i always try to get parents and caregivers to understand um that it's the everyday activities and interactions Mm -hmm. where young children learn best okay 
because so much of the time parents want to bring them to therapy. You know, you've got this two-year-old, this 30-month-old child, and they're like, oh, I want him to bring him to therapy, and I want him to sit, and I want you to do drill work with him, you know, and right. teach him to talk or whatever the skill is, you know, teach him to... <clears throat> Say this know, word 50 yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's just really hard because very young children don't learn the same way that older right. children and adults learn. So here's what I always tell parents. Learning for you occurs during the session and learning for your child occurs between sessions. Ooh, During real good. life. I like that. Okay. Because it's really hard to make a toddler um, uh, want to practice something repeatedly. Like, oh, let's just do this over and over. We try to make it fun. We try to make it play-based. Yeah. But sometimes toddlers, I don't know, sometimes they're just not in the mood. You know, right. they don't yeah. feel like So it. embedding it makes more sense because yeah. you can't do enough therapy. Mm -mm. You know my favorite saying, there will never be enough therapy minutes. There will never, okay? Because yeah, think we, about it, you're there two hours a week, and there's how many hours in a week? If even two hours. I mean, a lot of these kids if are you're there two hours. one hour one a week, hour, you know, or 45 hour. minutes. Yeah. yeah, 30 minutes once a week. So during our scheduled session, this is what I tell parents. I will interact with your child so that I can identify which strategies work, right? Because we have to individualize our strategies. Not mm -hmm. all strategies work for every child. So I'm going to interact directly with your child, determine which strategies are effective, and then I will intentionally model those strategies for you and by intentionally it means I'm going to tell the parent what I'm doing and why okay. I actually name yeah. the strategy I look at the parent and I go what I'm going to do now is I'm going to you know and I name it so the parent understands that I'm not just playing with their child right. that I'm Im implementing a skilled strategy so you're give, get, giving them a, a strategy and a system in, to with, follow in, yes I feel like sometimes when we work with very young children our sessions are too fly by the seat of our pants parents think all we do is just play they don't really understand what we're doing right. so I always say we have to really use parent coaching so that parents understand the strategies we're using so okay? it's not it's not like the the old way where you just you know you you're the expert and and you don't need to explain anything because you're the expert because it's I'm you're the, trying right. to make them the yeah, expert the expert because they're the expert on their child transfer the yeah. your skills Absolutely. To them, Absolutely. Right? Because they're with their child more than I am. I right. can never be the agent of change. I can never be the primary agent of change. Because you, you don't live with them. No. The only way I could <laughs> be the primary agent of change is if I move into your house. Right. Which some parents would like that, I think. Yeah, oh, your yeah. speech there. Can you come live with us for a I mean, I like month? living with you. So, well, I mean, I, I'm sure other people would too. Well, you just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> After 30 years of marriage, yeah. you still like I living mean, with yes, me. I still like it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, now everybody knows we like each other, so okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I'm going to model those strategies for you very intentionally. I'm going to name the strategy, okay? And then I'm going to have you interact with your child, and I'm going to give you feedback. Okay, and that's what makes this parent coaching is that it's an interactive process. It's not just me modeling. It's me intentionally modeling and then having you interact with your own child so that I can you know, help you develop those, those strategies. Okay. It's kind of like on the job training. Yeah. Wouldn't, yep. Isn't that yeah. a good analogy for that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, being shown something and then actually helping Doing you it. do it. Is, Two totally different it's, things. It's different yeah, things. Absolutely. So what I want to do is define what coaching is to make sure that um, we're all on the same page. Okay. Coaching is an interactive process between the provider and the parent. Mm -hmm. And the whole purpose is to increase the parent's capacity. You see, it's a capacity building kind of approach and when when we think about that what we're trying to do is increase the parents capacity to support their child's learning and development every day right because right? you're, you're giving them you're giving them the the answers to the test you're yeah. giving them the what they need the yep. strategies the system yep and Absolutely. you can say okay and this you know maybe you can even 
make it so, you know, during this time, well, and that's try what we're this. Do. Yes, you've nailed it. You've nailed it. So we want to use this interactive process called coaching. Now, here's what coaching is not, you guys. Coaching is not the same as consulting. Okay. A lot of um, providers will claim that coaching doesn't work, but when we get down to it, they're actually consulting. They're not coaching. So consulting is a hierarchical um, uh, adult learning approach where I, as the expert, Okay, uh-huh. I am going to dispense professional recommendations. And I'm going to sit up and here. For those that can't see what you're doing, <laughs> your 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 hand is up above your head, and then your the the other person is down here around your chest level. Right. So you're, I, I you're always, speaking down. Yeah, you're speaking down. It's hierarchical. Okay. Yes, I do speak with my hands. One <laughs> one day we're going to make this a video podcast well, because yeah. I think it would be helpful yeah. if they saw all of my. Maybe we maybe we get a new studio or something and we'll hey, figure that out. Let's let's make that happen. Okay. 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 Right. We'll talk to the Kelsey brothers, you know how they do their podcast. They seem to be pretty successful. At yeah, it. I mean, they're not even in the same city. You know, so. Oh gosh. Um, so yeah, consulting is a, is a hierarchical approach where I, as the um, therapist, I am the expert, and I am going to give top down information. I'm going to tell down. you, you need to do this, and then I need you to do this. And what we have found over the years, and because I used to use consulting a lot, and I would claim it doesn't work because I would give parents these strategies, I would give them homework, tell them what to do, I would go back the next week, and there'd be no follow through Mm. well the problem is when you use consulting because it's hierarchical most adults don't like to actually be told what to do oh well okay yes we get defensive when other people tell us so coaching is collaborative we talk about it what do you think about this strategy when do you think you could implement this strategy at home so it's collaborative whereas consulting is top down right and don't you also kind of drill down into what is the most important things to the parent to the parent instead of us deciding what's most important see and that's why we call it are you dispensing professional recommendations because if you are that's consulting Mm -hmm. if you are asking parents what is important to them what do they want their child to be able to do in six months you know what do they what are their biggest struggles at home Mm -hmm. and what are some ways we can get there that becomes coaching you see how it's interactive and it's collaborative the other thing coaching is not coaching is not parent education so parent education is where you give general information regarding Mm -hmm. child development so i'll be like oh here mr ebert here's a book on potty training you might want to read this and maybe it'll help parents as teachers stuff parents as teachers or even your pediatrician you know when we would take the baby to the Mm -hmm. well baby visit and they'd be like oh here's a sheet on yeah you know, just to give you self feeding or you know whatever, and you'd be like, oh, so it's generic information. It do, it's not individualized though, and it right. certainly has nothing to do with a child. It may not even apply to your child. Well, no, especially like we have an autistic child, so all right. this information on potty training, I was like, this is a giant waste of time. Yeah. Like none of that we're stuff. We're not ready worked. for that. <laughs> no, and it didn't even work. Like we needed individualized <laughs> strategies, right? So parent coaching is not consultation. Uh, consulting and it is not parent education. Are we good with that? Yes. It's it's more individualized I'm and it you. is collaborative. Okay. So what I want to do is share with our listeners ten strategies for coaching in the clinic setting. Okay. Okay. Because ten we're strategies. talking yeah, ten strategies. We're talking specifically about those providers who are working in a clinic though, right? Where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, all this stuff on early intervention sounds great, but I work in a clinic. I mean, isn't a clinic still if, I mean if they're there I mean, is it, this isn't like a preschool or something no, like no, that. No, no, no. I'm talking about okay. like, oh, so, here's the speech therapy clinic, okay. and I'm going to drive my child there for their one-hour session okay. each week, gotcha. right? right? So if it's in more of a, a preschool setting, that would be more natural environment, Yeah, right? that would this be is, kind, of a, kind of a different natural environment. Sure, sure. Whereas w- when we talk about a clinic setting, it's not considered natural environment because the kid wouldn't hang out there if he wasn't going there for therapy. Does gotcha. that make sense? So there's nothing okay. natural about that environment. So 10 strategies for coaching in a therapy or a clinic setting. Okay. Okay, number one, 
you need to invite parents and siblings to actually participate in the sessions, not just observe them behind a one-way mirror and not just um, like wait in the waiting room. Okay. okay. A lot of times so. when parents, let's say I have, you know, my two-year-old is getting speech therapy and I also have my five-year-old and my seven-year-old and they're, they're with me. So they think mm -hmm. they're going to wait in the waiting room. Well, the goal is to make the therapy session more like the natural learning environment at home. So what's the natural learning environment at home? Well, you got siblings there, you got mm -hmm. parents there, usually the dog's there, you know, yeah. the pets are there, the TV's on. You know, I mean, there's lots more distractions. So I actually want to invite them in and I want to let them know we want you to participate in the session, right? Yes. Um, especially, again, we're talking about with these very, very young children, with toddlers, you know, and young preschoolers. So invite them to be a part of it. And if parents say, oh, no, no, my the two-year-old, he'll focus better or she'll focus better if I'm not in the room or my big kids are going to be a distraction, you need to be able to say, but I want to recreate, you know, get as close to possible what's happening at home. You know, okay. what does that learning environment look like there? Because I promise you this, we know this from our own um, three children, that um, siblings are the greatest teachers. Mm -hmm. I mean, who was Aaron's greatest teachers his whole life? It's oh, yeah. always been his, his sisters. His big sisters. And so right. having them know what the strategies are, coaching sure. them, giving them feedback. Yeah. Like, and they were constantly helping him. Always. And they were, and sometimes, you know, siblings want to do too much. And mm -hmm. so we let him know, oh, actually this is called wait time. And I'll show him the sign for wait, waiting. I'm doing it again. Yeah. You can't see me, but you just put your palms face up in, in palms up in front of you and wiggle your fingers. And that's the sign for wait. And so I'll coach um, older siblings that we're going to give them time to, we're going to wait. We want to give your little brother or little sister time to respond, you know. So um, we want to invite them. So the parent the is also like in this situation, the common denominator here. So because uh, yeah. they, they, they're going to be, they're there in the, that environment in the clinic, you know, when you bring uh -huh. them in, if you bring them in. Uh-huh. And then they're at home. Yeah. Too. They're the only common denominator, right? Right. Because this is what happens. If you don't include parents in the session um, and focus on parent coaching, kids will do things in therapy and parents will say, I can't get him to do it at home. Right. So can we bring him twice a week? Because clearly he needs more of you. So what they end up wanting is more of us when the issue is they need more of you of that transference yeah. to home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. The second strategy, use the five coaching, coaching strategies in the clinic setting. So- Listeners, go back and check out episode 20. Um, that is the episode where I went through the five coaching strategies in great detail. Okay. okay? So you want to go back and listen to episode 20. Um, and the episode was called Parent Education versus Parent Coaching. Okay. So that's the name of the episode. So gotcha. I'll just name the five coaching strategies. I'm not going to go into them all here because We've that's a whole episode. Yeah. You know, The first coaching strategy is called Conversation and Information Sharing. <clears throat> The second is called modeling with an explanation. The third coaching strategy is called guided practice with feedback. The fourth coaching strategy is called guided problem solving. And then the fifth is creating the joint plan because that's how you get follow through. So go back and listen to episode 20 if you haven't listened to that one or if you need a refresher on those five coaching strategies. Just because you're in the clinic setting doesn't mean that the, the sessions have to look that different. They can still follow the same format that we would use at an, an a home visit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. The third strategy, ask parents about successes and struggles at home. After you ask, how you doing? How was your weekend? How right. was it? Right. Then you say, so tell me something that went well this week. What's something that your child did that you're proud of? Let parents brag a little bit, you know, let them say, oh my gosh, he or she, you know, did this, uh, you know, um, went potty on the 
big boy potty for the oh, first time yeah, or yeah, you yeah. know or um use the sign for um milk to request and they'd never done you know let him share something you know that they they did um uh he helped dress himself and he's never really done that before like let him share something positive mm-hmm. and then the most important question you're going to ask each week is what was the most challenging part of your week mm-hmm. you've got to get down to what are they struggling with at home because that ultimately should be what we're focusing on in the session if the right. parent says oh my gosh um, you know, we went to Walmart and he just really struggles with that environment. He has lots of meltdowns when we get out in public. And so we start asking then and saying, well, what are some reasons for your child struggling at Walmart? That's part of the coaching process is really getting parents to think about and reflect on what are some of the you know, possible reasons for that. And then we can identify some strategies. Right. And then you're actually helping them with what's most important to them. Exactly. Exactly. So you really want to ask what was... Should be more effective. Absolutely. What what went well? What was your biggest, uh, you know, most challenging part of the week? And then hopefully our goals, our therapy goals are written in a way that it allows us, if we're writing goals about communication, about being able to transition. Does that make sense? That we can, Mm -hmm. we need to be writing our goals so that we can help parents during those challenging routines at home okay all right the fourth strategy explain to parents how important it is for them to bring in the child's favorite toys each week maybe just bring one toy and or one book or bring two i don't care Mm -hmm. like if they are holding something in their hand when they get out of the car maybe they have a little comfort item or they brought a little toy from home don't make them leave it in the car don't make them put it in your bag you know i mean let them bring it in and and intentionally let them pick out what's one thing you want to take when we go see miss carrie today and it'll become like a routine it'll kind of prepare the child oh yeah we're going to you know when they get to take Mm -hmm. this thing from home it'll be a lot easier for parents to see how to use strategies if they're using items from home yeah okay all right the fifth strategy you want to purposefully model child-led play during your session most parents have no idea how to follow their child's lead okay and so if you create a therapy session that is really structured where it's like okay come on in and sit down and first we're going to do this puzzle okay and when the puzzle's over now we're going to do play-doh See, there's nothing child-led about that. And the Mm -hmm. problem is parents look at that and go, yeah, I don't, like, set up play at home. You know what I mean? I don't have this structured room where there's no distract. Like, this isn't how it looks at our house. And so if you model that really structured, highly organized, adult-directed play, parents look at that and go, well, I obviously they have to come here because I can't recreate that at home. Mm -hmm. So when I love in a therapy setting – Put three or four toys out on the floor that you know the child is interested in. If they love Legos, make sure you have the big mega blocks in one corner. And maybe Mm -hmm. you know they like baby dolls or, you know, um, toy animals. I don't care what it is. I usually try not to have it too overwhelming. But I'll put three or four toys out. And when the child comes in and after I welcome them and greet them, I, I don't, like, initiate an activity. I want the child to learn how to initiate Mm. and I whatever they go to and I'll say to the parent it looks like he's interested in the fire trucks today so does that make sense I'm gonna again I'm gonna intentionally tell the parent what I'm doing I'm gonna follow your child's lead but I have to name it I have to show the parent because you can say follow your child's lead all day long and a lot of parents have no idea what that looks like yep Okay, so make sure you're purposely modeling child-led play so parents can learn how to follow their child's lead at home Um, I really like to embed Snack time, if it's normally, if it's like the middle of the morning, you know, middle Mm -hmm. of the afternoon, tell parents, bring in a snack. Snack is a really natural, you know, routine. And that way you can model how to use your strategies, whether they're fine motor strategies, gross motor, you know, positional strategies, communication strategies. So encourage parents, bring a snack for you and your kids and we'll we'll make snack time part of, you know, um, our, our therapy session as well. 
All right, number six, uh, design therapy. Oh, this is perfect. Design therapy activities that are as natural as possible. So again, snack time makes it natural. You mm-hmm. know, think about, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe we're just, we have pieces of, of white plain paper and, you know, different crayons and markers. And maybe we're all just doing arts and crafts, but nothing super structured. Don't feel like, oh, we have to make a pumpkin today or right, oh, we have right. to, like, again, try to make it natural, something that could be easily recreated at home. Mm-hmm. We don't want parents to feel guilty like, oh, I wish I were craftier. I wish I had time to get on Pinterest and right. find all these really or elaborate. Or had the time to actually exactly. do Exactly. But see, if you have a six-year-old sibling who's there, you know the six-year-old and the two-year-old can color sure. on paper at home. Yeah. You know, I always tell parents, like, one of the things, I mean, you've seen me do this for years. I have a file in my office and it's called junk mail. And when we get those postcard type junk mail, you know, because they're easier for snipping with scissors Mm because they're cardboard, you know, they're just thicker than regular paper. And I love to just show parents, I'll whip out my junk mail um, folder and I'll be like, oh, I thought we'd open mail today because that's something you do at home, right? right? You get the mail and you open it. And so that's great for fine motor tearing, you know, I'll open the envelopes and pulling papers out. That's bilateral. You have to use both hands together. And then again, cutting, you know, certain ones to so we can put them in the in the recycle bin that would be mm-hmm. a reason to cut them does that make sense like sure. we just want to think about um making um therapy as natural as possible all right number seven focus on embedding skilled strategies into specific routines that naturally occur in the child's life in early intervention we refer to this as routines based intervention right so what that means is after you identify a strategy that works maybe the strategy is try to pause three seconds after giving a direction to allow the child to process okay Okay. so maybe it's a pausing strategy so what we would do is talk with the parents you know what is a routine at home where you feel like you could implement this you know so we really start talking about the family's day-to-day routines Mm -hmm. and which activities you know maybe we could embed a strategy into bath time or like diaper changing is a great routine for following directions at home Mm -hmm. so when it's time to change your diaper we can give a directive like go get a diaper or bring me a diaper right Mm -hmm. so that's one direction okay lie down uh you know throw it in the trash bring me the wipes, you know, things like that. So you can think about how you can work on following one-step directions, but instead of doing it in a clinic setting where we create this arbitrary random, like put the ball under the chair, which is so, you know, this right. is what we, when you try to work on that out of context, it's right. just weird and it's really hard to generalize that. So instead yeah. we want families to see, so like during snack time, I could, you know, as we're, you know, bunching up our napkins and we can give the directive, oh, I'm going to throw it in the trash. And we hand one to the child, throw it in the trash. And the parent goes, oh, we could do that at home. Mm-hmm. I could have him throw things in the trash. Yes. Like ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That's what we want. Right. Yeah. Cause like as a parent, you're sitting there and you're saying, I, I really don't care if you can put a ball under a chair. Right. And, but yet it looks so therapeutic and it looks right. important, right? And so the but parents... maybe there's something else that I do care about right. that if you spoke to, you know, and got that information from right. the parents, you can work on that stuff. Exactly, because it's relevant. And I'm noticing a theme here that you're bringing in snacks, you're bringing in toys, uh-huh. you're bringing in stuff from home, bringing uh-huh. the parents in. Yep. So you're trying to almost recreate that home environment Absolutely. in as the clinic. As much as possible, right? Okay. As much as possible. Gotcha. All right, number eight, avoid referring to therapy as work. There is nothing worse than saying to the child, come on, buddy, we need to do our work and then we'll play. That makes me want to set my hair on fire. Like literally, (laughs) you don't want... (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) 
You don't want to, children to think that they have to do work and then they get to earn play. Please do play-based therapy where the, yeah. the learning is natural. It's hands-on, minds-on learning. It's not yeah. this boring drill work where we do our work and then you earn play. It's so behaviorist and so um, it's all about compliance. And mm -hmm. I just, I hate all of it. So try to keep it. <laughs> Wait, how do you really feel about that? <laughs> how do I really feel, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let, me, let me tell you. Let me go on my soapbox, <laughs> right? So we don't want kids to think that learning is work. Right. There should be joy in learning. Fun. There should be joy in learning, let's right? Have, let's have fun. One of my favorite one-liners because once oh, we should do a podcast episode just with all my one-liners. One-liners. So many. <laughs> yeah. But one of them is as long as there's joy in learning, children will always love to learn. Yeah. You pluck the that's, joy out of learning great. and make it right. work, make it boring, make it drill work. I'm telling you, kids are gonna hate it. They're gonna dread coming, right? They're, well, that's they, I think that's a problem <laughs> that a lot of kids have in school because so it's, it's 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 hard. Not it's not joyful. It's not hands-on, minds-on, right? But, um, yeah. But we we should do that episode and then maybe like a mailbag episode or something. Oh, like you that. were talking about that. What do you, yeah, we would love to maybe we'll figure out maybe how to do put this. Like a, a something out on Facebook or Instagram, Instagram. or something that, you know, where they ask can, questions. Yeah, and then we can try to pick two or three of them. And... Yeah, so if you guys ever have any um you know, just questions uh, that you want to ask. Um, I'll try to figure out how to do mailbag. I think that would be fun. Yeah. And then we'll just do like once a month, maybe uh, yeah, a mailbag like episode. A, or at least a mailbag segment. Oh, we could do a mailbag segment every week. Oh, good yeah. idea. Okay. Maybe one question. Mailbag. I love it. Let's let's focus on that. Because again, we don't have enough to do in life. <laughs> so we need to add more projects. Okay. I'm All sorry. Right. <clears throat> Number nine. Uh, try to write your therapy goals that allow you to focus on supporting acquisition of meaningful skills in meaningful ways with the important people in the child's life, okay? Try to move away from this idea of thinking about therapy with littles um, as fixing deficits. Okay. I mean, how can teeny tiny humans already have deficits? Like, they've been on the planet like 30 <laughs> months. Do you know what I mean? Can we not talk about the things they can't do? And can we instead start focusing on yeah, uh, uh, supporting acquisition of new skills? You know what I mean? Instead of looking at them as somehow being, I don't know, just... I don't know, disordered already. I had this, you know? I had this thing that just popped into my brain when you said they've been on the planet. I just pictured them like <laughs> landing in a spacecraft or something. <laughs> they've been on the planet. They just <laughs> so arrived. They're just like. <laughs> um, so it's really about you know using our skilled strategies to support learning and development of meaningful skills. Can we please yes. just teach meaningful skills? Meaningful, meaningful skills. skills. In meaningful ways, yes. Meaningful skills in meaningful, meaningful ways. ways. Yep, absolutely. Nice. I like that. And then number 10, okay, uh, create a joint plan at the end of every session. This is what we do in our home visits at, at the end of every session. This is how I recommend that EI providers wrap up every session. Based on what we've talked about or practiced today, what do you want to focus on until I see you next week? You need to wrap up your clinic-based session the same mm -hmm. way. Based on what we've talked about or practice today what do you want to focus on at home okay until you come back next week mm -hmm. it's called a joint plan don't leave homework you don't give parents homework because let's be clear homework is something that you have to do in addition to everything else it's extra work homework is extra and it has when, that four letter word and it has it. the four letter word work, work right work is not fun okay so instead of leaving homework you create a joint plan and the reason it's joint is because we agree upon it you're yeah. the parent i'm the provider i say based on what we've talked about our practice what do you want to focus on you're mm -hmm. like i really think i need to practice that way 
waiting or the not saying say. That's one of my favorite strategies. Don't tell your child to say words. Mm -hmm. Say the words you wish they'd say. Pause and look at them expectantly, but don't say say. Do you know how hard it is to stop doing that? So a lot of times parents will say, that's the strategy I want to work on. I want to start working on not saying say. Um, And so then we, okay, you told me now that's the strategy you want to work on. Does that make sense? It's different than me saying I want you to work on. Right, you right. see how yeah. how condescending, how one way that is. Sure. Instead, no, and, it's, and, and, and plan is a different. I mean, it's more of a, it's a collaborative word. Collaborative planning is collaborative. So it's like, all right, here's the plan. Right. We're, we're gonna do this. And right. Okay. And it's agreed upon, right? right it's right. a collaborative. What do you think about this plan? Right. And then, that plan. so this is the strategy you said you want to focus on, and then I'm going to take it one step further. Uh, what part of your day do you think it'd be easiest? Because you can't do it all day every, it's going to be mm-hmm. hard. So is there a yeah. specific routine or a specific right. part of your day where you think, oh, I'm going to really try that? Because maybe the parent says, well, it's at mealtime. I feel like at mealtime. Or maybe it's, you know, when we're reading books yeah. together. This is a good example. Reading books and I'll go, um, say ball. You know, say doggy, mm-hmm. say, you know, and as I'm pointing to the pictures in the book, I'm telling my child to say words. And so I think I'm going to really try to reduce saying say during story time. So okay. see, now the parent came up with the strategy. I mean, they didn't know the strategy until they walked in. Does that make sense? Right. That is a skilled strategy that I, through um, coaching, was able to transfer my skills and knowledge to the parent. Now they are saying that's the one that I want to focus on. And through parent coaching, they determined when during the day they want to focus on it. So when they mm-hmm. come back next week, after you ask, how was your weekend, all that, I always ask, um, uh, you know, t- uh, we always say, let's talk about how the joint plan went. And just so you know, I write the joint plan on a yellow sticky note. Well, I don't care what color it is, but a, a sticky note. And I like those big, long, they're like four by six size sticky notes. Right. And they're lined because it allows okay. me to write. And so every week the parent gets a sticky note and it'll say joint plan, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe write the child's name or the date. I always put the date. And so, um, what I do then is when they come back the next week, I'll say, tell me about the sticky note. So like the sticky note is right. like common knowledge. Like our family, that's language we use. The sticky note, the sticky note, the right. sticky note. And what it does is it really holds parents accountable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because we all well, need to be held the, accountable, don't got, we? You've got the joint plan right there. That's right. That's right. So whatever other documentation you have to do, And it's that's something fine. physical you can put in your hand. You can go yep. get it and say, okay, what was I going to do here? Exactly. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. And if it's I mean, something I would need that. that happens in the kitchen, you put the sticky note on the refrigerator. You mm-hmm. know, if it's something that happens during dressing, maybe you put it in the bedroom. So the point is it allows you to put it where it's... I think that's brilliant in putting it on the fridge because it's something, okay, I see that. Ooh, yes. And if it's a, it's a reminder. Note, right. And it's, it's going to be bright. Most of those sticky notes are yellow or purple or yeah. hot pink, you know, so it is. It's a because visual people reminder. people get busy. Well, we get distracted. We get There's busy. There's a yeah. million things going on. Yeah. Right? As a parent. Absolutely. Everybody's stretched. Everybody. And then, okay, having that visual there, maybe that helps trigger exactly. that that thought. Oh, okay. I need to do that. Yep, exactly. exactly. I'll try that in the next so, five minutes or so. Yep, yep, excellent. So I promise you, coaching can work in the clinic setting. I used to have a clinic, you know, before I became right. a professional speaker, and I rarely did sessions where parents weren't in there, in there right. with them. Okay, yep. I can um, because that. now every now and then the parent might say, "Oh my gosh, I just have to run this errand." Right. I get it. You know, I get that they maybe can't be there every single time, but there really needs to be an expectation that for very young children, mm-hmm. parents need to be involved actively not per, not observing actively right. involved in the session okay I, I I'm telling you this guys you have to get parents to buy into it up front 
Because if the parent is seeking you out so you will fix their child's deficits, mm-hmm. they will not see the benefit in parent coaching. Because they'll say things like, well, we spent so much of the session today just talking. You didn't really get to work with Joey. So do you think I need to come twice a week? You know, mm-hmm. Joey needs to come twice a week so you can actually work with him. So if they don't buy use that into word it, again. See? Yeah. So you can work with him so you can fix his deficits. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind, okay? That when you're working with very young children, toddlers and young preschoolers, parent coaching is absolutely essential regardless of what's setting you're working in. And you got to start at the beginning. Yep. And you got to start, let them know the expectations from the beginning. Yeah. When they call you and say, hey, do you have any openings? And I'll say, yeah, since your child is only 32 months old, I want to talk to you about how yep. the sessions go with toddlers, you yep. know, and let them know up front. Right in the beginning. All righty. Very good. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast party. Thank you for uh, taking time to listen. We know you're busy. We know you have lots of things to do. Uh, so if you're enjoying the podcast and you get a chance, let your colleagues know let your friends know right we really appreciate it um so get out there be kind be accepting put your screens down for a bit oh my gosh it's just beautiful outside the weather is gorgeous at least in kansas city here man we are just loving this fall weather um please don't forget to schedule your mammogram early detection can save your life as an 11 year breast cancer survivor certainly saved mine until we meet again cheers Mm -hmm.